I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God that we can trust him, right? My message this morning is entitled, God Wants to Use You. God wants you, just like Uncle Sam wants you. But praise God, we know God wants us. And he wants to use every single one of us to advance his kingdom here upon the earth. Our opening text is Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. It's a combination of two translations, the Living Bible, and also uh, today's English version. So let's read it. Give yourself to God completely. If we stop right there, we did enough. Give yourself to God completely. Every part of you. Why? Because you've been brought from death to life. Is that enough said right there? Were you dead spiritually? Did he bring you back to life spiritually? Wow. Look at the next part of the verse. And now you want to be used by God for good and for his righteous purposes. In other words, the fact that he brought us from death to life should motivate us to want to be used by him to advance his kingdom, to do good and fulfill righteous purposes. Now, life involves a whole lot more than just growing up, getting an education, getting a job, making money, getting married, having a family, retiring, and then dying. A whole lot more than that. As a matter of fact, those things are temporal things, and I know that we go through them all. But if that's all we do in this life and we leave out being used by God to advance his kingdom and to be used for his righteous purposes, then we've left out the most important thing that we're here for. God shaped us for him, self. God molded us so that we could be a tool in his hand, an instrument of righteousness to carry out his purposes here upon the earth and not just to live for ourselves. See, that is something that's eternal, not just temporal. No matter what we do in this life, if it's just temporal, no matter what acclimates we get, no matter what achievements we have, guess what? Jesus said not even one stone will be left upon another with regard to the beauty of the temple. It's only what we do that has eternal consequences that really counts. So store up for yourself treasures in heaven where no one can take it from you. And so every one of us should be want to be used by God for these purposes. Well, some people, if not most people, if not everyone, feels disqualified or maybe sometimes unqualified, let's say, to do something big for God or even small for God. Why? Because of a low self-image, low self-esteem, the way they see themselves. Well, I'm not really qualified. I'm disqualified. Why would he be disqualified? Well, because I know my life. I know the things I've done. The wrong things I've done. So why would God want to use me? Or unqualified. I know my life. I don't have many gifts, talents, or abilities. If I look at some of these singers up here and I think, my goodness, they could sing. I can't sing. That disqualifies me? Or does that mean I'm unqualified to serve God? Well, they have a different gift than what I do. 
we can use the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we have given, been given by God so that we can advance his kingdom here upon the earth and be used for him in a powerful way. In his eyes, it's big. In our eyes, it may not seem as big. But God wants us to use whatever it is that we have to advance his kingdom and to serve him. Now, you think about these, these names I put here for you to look at. Abraham, Jacob, Leah, Joseph, Gideon, Samson, Rahab, Elijah, David, Peter, Thomas, Zacchaeus, Moses, Paul. They all have something in common. What was it? They all had issues. They all were shown mercy. And God still used them all. Think about Abraham. Here's an excuse that people have. I'm too old. Tell that to Colonel Sanders. He started when he was 60. <laughs> Look what he's built. But Abraham was 75 when he got the call to leave the Ur of the Chaldees. He didn't have Isaac until he was 100 years old. Wow. Anybody want the blessings of Abraham? He married Keturah at 140. Had six more children. Was he insane? And lived 35 more years. Can you imagine that? Too old? Not for God. And then look at Jacob. He was a deceiver. Leah, she was considered unattractive. Some people think they're unattractive. Joseph, he was abused when he was growing up. Gideon, he was poor. Samson, he was codependent. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Elijah, we know about him. He uh, was suicidal. David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Peter, of course, he was impulsive. Thomas was a doubter. Zacchaeus, he was a scam artist. And then Moses and Paul, both of them, they committed murder. So if we look at these lives that are mentioned here, all these biblical characters, what do we see? They have issues like everybody else. But God chose to use them. But first he showed mercy to them. And thank God for his mercy. Where would any of us be without it? See, Paul could have, considered, could have considered himself disqualified or unqualified because of what he did to the church and so on. But God took him, showed him mercy, and helped him to do all that he did. He wrote over half the New Testament. He evangelized probably most of the Roman Empire and established many churches as he journeyed here upon the earth. Now, how can God use someone who is a terrorist murderer who was killing Christians to do all this? Well, let's find out. In number one, Second Corinthians, look at this. Chapter four, verse one. This is the ESV translation. It says, therefore, having this ministry by the what? Mercy of God. Do we thank God for his mercy? Not getting, giving us what we do deserve? How could God use him? Because of his mercy. Now, notice number one is mercy. God's mercy is greater than our flaws, our faults, our shortcomings, our failures, our inabilities, our inadequacies. Lamentations chapter 3 makes it very clear. If it were not for his mercies, where would we all be? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
Well, if he had mercy on us once, then why does, does it have to have it renewed every morning? Because I know me and you know you. Because every single day we need the mercy of God, don't we? And aren't we glad that it's renewed in our lives every single morning? Do you thank God for that? Take a moment right now and just thank him for being merciful to you. Just in your own words, just thank him for being merciful to you. Hallelujah. Thank you for your endless mercy. Hallelujah. That's renewed every morning. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 12. This is the New Century Version. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who gave me strength because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. In the past, I spoke against Christ. Notice this. And persecuted him and did all kinds of things to hurt him. But God showed me mercy because I did not know what I was doing. I did not believe. Did you hear what he said? I was doing awful things against Christ himself. But I didn't know. But God showed me mercy in the process. Look at the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to do what he did through his life. But notice what Paul is saying. If Paul had to wait, to be someone who is perfect, to be used by God, it never would have happened. God, as a matter of fact, calls imperfect people. He has mercy on them, forgives them, and then gives them grace to do whatever it is he would call them to do. And the thing I love about this is the fact that God doesn't need someone who is absolutely flawless or a perfectionist in order for him to use them. Matter of fact, every sinner has a past I'm sorry, every sinner has a future, and every saint has a past. Anybody here, are you a saint? The rest of you, or what are you? Are you ain'ts? Are you a saint? Do you have a past? Is it always perfect? Was it ever perfect? You think it would ever be perfect? No. But God saw you as you are. And guess what he decided to do? Show mercy. Save you by his grace. And how about this? He doesn't call people that are perfect. He calls people that are flawed, has mercy on them, and then uses them. You know what he does? He looks at you. He knows you. You're inside out. He knows everything about you. And guess what? He anoints what you have to be used for his honor and glory. You know what that means? He's not calling you to do something that you can't do. He may see your past flaws and failures and mistakes, but he also knows your potential and your strengths. And so when he calls you and anoints you and equips you, it's just to do something that you're capable of doing. Anyone and everyone can be used by God to advance his kingdom. Whether we view it as the smallest thing or the greatest thing, God wants to use every single one of us to advance his kingdom. So God wants to use every single one of us. Look at the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10. This is from the Living Bible. And I chose this translation because if you look at the New Living translation of the Bible, 
the emphasis is on the first part of the verse that says you're a masterpiece. And we've talked about that before. Matter of fact, say with me, I am God's masterpiece. You're his workmanship that's absolutely phenomenal in his sight. Okay. But the first part says it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. That means you're his masterpiece. But look at the latter part of the verse. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Did you get that? What should we be doing with these lives? Spend these lives in helping others. Look, there's no one that's perfect in the body of Christ. The only perfect person is Jesus. The only perfect person who ever lived was Jesus. And no one will ever be perfect. But on the inside, we have Christ, our hope of glory. And in us, in him, we're perfect as far as our new birth experience in what's in spirit. But as far as our natural lives living upon this earth, we understand we all are, have character flaws and etc. But God says, I can show you mercy. And then after I show you mercy, I'm going to give you grace. You know, the Bible says it's the throne of grace that we come to obtain two things. Number one, mercy. Two, find grace to help in our time of need. So mercy means not giving me what I deserve. It's giving us what Jesus deserved because he did everything right in the sight of the Father. But grace means to empower me for service. I'm here to receive my unction to function. Do you thank God for mercy? What about the unction to function? What about his grace? That means I can do the smallest thing, whatever it is. But I can do it to the honor and glory of God. If this is to call somebody up on the phone and encourage them in the Lord. There's something we can do to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth and be a blessing to others. Now, in the book of Luke's, and before, we, before you put that up there, let's, let's, let me say it this way. Did you know that a 12-year-old gave us tremendous words of wisdom about how to live our lives upon the earth? A 12-year-old. And that 12-year-old is found here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. His name is Jesus. And he said to them, how is it that you sought me? Wist or didn't you know that I must, everybody say must, must, be about my father's business? Did you get that? What, what must we be about? Our father's business. Yes, we might be a doctor, we might be a lawyer, we might be a, an accountant, we might be a teacher, we might be, and the list goes on and on and on and on. But, you know, God needs every one of us to be about our father's business, no matter what profession we are in. So we talk about serving God. It's not just here in the church. It's talking about serving God with our lives. It's talking about letting our light shine among men, that they see our good works and glorify our father in heaven, that they see in us the hope of glory that we have in Christ Jesus. And we can offer words of comfort and encouragement. We can lead them to the cross. We can lead them to Christ. Or we could lay hands on them to be healed and delivered and set free. The list goes on and on. But here he's talking about the fact that every single one of us should be about our father's business because that's what's eternal. You know, we see a decline in people attending church today. You think about it. Churches all around are stopping a lot of their services because of a lack of attendance. There's so much that's going on with, with the, the world sports activities, this, that, and the other thing. And it just takes precedence over 
the ministry and church and church attendance. Well, what's happened? Our culture has gotten away. And as a result of the culture that we're living in, this is what takes precedence over the things of God. There was a time when you couldn't even find maybe a grocery store open on a Sunday or a gas station or a pharmacy. Matter of fact, they probably got together and they meant to decide which pharmacy will be open on this day because it was a rarity. True? Now they're starting their games on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning. Whether it's football games and other activities, whatever, cheering practices and everything else that's going on. And it's taking precedence over the things of God. Today, the culture is just so different that it's beyond our thinking. It'd be nice to go back to those blue days when you, you know, had everything closed. And Sunday, guess what Sunday was about? Families coming together, worshiping God, loving one another, serving God together, and promoting the kingdom of God. I remember growing up as a young person where I wasn't even allowed to get my clothes dirty on Sunday. Tell that to a six-year-old. Really? Yeah. Well, number two, Paul was also someone who is authentic. God could use him to advance his kingdom because, number one, he showed him mercy, and every one of us should be shown mercy. And secondly, he was authentic. You know what that means? He wasn't putting on airs, and he wasn't trying to copy somebody else. He wasn't trying to imitate somebody else and say, well, I can't serve God unless I'm like him or her or whoever else. You know, God wants us to be us. God wants you to be you. He wants me to be me not to imitate somebody else, unless I'm imitating Christ, right? So you know what that does? It takes it out of the realm of impossibility, puts it in the realm of possibility, because you know what? I'm pretty good at being me. Are you pretty good at being you? Right. So what's God want to do? He wants to use you just as you are. And Paul knew that. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is from the message translation of these two verses. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing. Did you get that? I like that, don't you? Aren't you glad he let you in on it? Because he let us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into some occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. I thought you'd appreciate that. (laughs) We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and, and say out in the open. The whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. So in other words, just be yourself. Just be who you are. And just know God. And know that God loves you. And like all these other characters, like I said, Leah thought she wasn't attractive enough. Abram thought he was too old. And it goes on and on. Moses, remember, he said, but I can't talk. I tried that excuse. (laughs) Right? He says, I'll I'll just have mercy on you. Thank you. And then I'll equip you. If, If I want you to do something that's out of your character, I'll equip you to do it. How about that? Other than that, then God will use you just as you are. Just as you are. So in the workplace, on the job, or whatever that you're doing, praise God, just let your light shine. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 from the New Living Translation. See, Paul knew God loved me just as I am. He considered himself less than least of all the saints because he persecuted, right, the church. But he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. 
Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. It's that simple. He, Paul knew he loves me just as I am. He called me just as I am. He equipped me to do what he wanted me to do. And that's the bottom line. And I'm going to be faithful to do what he said for me to do, which is not, once again, out of the realm of possibility because I'm just me and he's using me. Look at the next one. Paul knew it's all about Jesus. And oh my goodness, how true. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 from the New Living Translation. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from us. <clears throat> Think about a clay jar, how fragile it might be, with some cracks in it. But you know what? Even though we might be cracked, it just lets the light shine. The glory shine. Just flow out of you. They think we're crazy anyhow, right? They, what do you think the, the expression crackpots came from? Clay jars. We're spiritual, religious crackpots. Well, that's okay. Let my light shine more and more among men. Yeah, do we have flaws? Yeah, do we have issues? Yeah, all of us do. But you know what? We've got character flaws, we've got issues, we've got inabilities, we've got inadequacies, we've got uncertainties and all that. But guess what? God's mercy transcends all of it. And God's grace empowers us to promote the kingdom. Amen? So let your light shine among men. All right. Now, our culture says it's not all about Jesus. It's all about me. Right? Isn't that what our culture says today? Hey, it's all about you. And if you think today you're a man, then you're a man. And if you think you're a woman, then you're a woman. See, because it's all about you. It's all about who you want to be. Where does that come from? How is that even logical? When did we throw logic out of the window? No, what the problem is, we need help here. Let's help correct the flaw that exists. Let God show some mercy here and enlighten us and help us and equip us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Who he is and what he's done and what he's done in you. Well, if I want to live this way and act this way, it's because I deserve to. Well, you can if you want to, but there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. See, we love people enough to let them know you're on the wrong course. Why is it we could see that in the natural, but it's hard to see that in the, in the spiritual? That if you're walking down a path that's going to lead you to a bridge that's out and you're going to fall and you're going to be destroyed, you know, we kind of want to stop you from heading in that direction. Anything wrong with that? No, but they receive it like there is a child where the ball is throwing, it's going into the street and that two-year-old is running to go get it because it's their ball. And you want to stop them. And they kick you and scratch you and all that because you stopped them from getting hit by a car. But they don't see that, do they? All they see is the ball. Their focus and attention is on that. 
And what people want today is, I want to be me. I want to do what I want to do. I want it to be my way. Well, look, have it your way might be a commercial for what? Burger King? I don't know. Whatever, whichever one. Have it your way? No. How about this? Let's do it God's way. Let Jesus be exalted. It's all about him. It's not about us. We have to have the right mentality and attitude that says, you know what? I'm going to live my life to please him because that's what counts internally. Look at the next one. Number four, Paul uses experiences to help others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, this is the New Living Translation of the Bible. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not given to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Can you imagine what he went through? We, no, we really can't imagine what he went through. Not once was he flogged, but five times. Not once beaten with rods, but three times. Left in the ocean a day and a night. Hunger, thirst, nakedness, wantonness, peril, sore. I mean, this man was persecuted beyond our human comprehension. But he used every experience of his to advance the kingdom of God. This man suffered persecution like no man had ever suffered ever before. Now, when it comes to suffering, there's three things. There's self-imposed suffering. Do we know what that is? Self-imposed. I dropped a weight on my toe. That was self-imposed. No one else did it. Where am I going with this? We make a lot of bad choices and a, long, wrong, a lot of wrong decisions in life. And as a result of those decisions, for example, someone has cirrhosis of the liver because of a choice, a self-imposed condition because they drank and drank and drank until the liver was destroyed. Or someone smoked and they got lung cancer because they smoked, let's say, all their life. And that's what happened. Would you see that as being self-imposed suffering? It's self-imposed, something that we did to ourselves. Then there's innocent suffering. Suffering at the hands of another innocently, like, for example, a rape victim. They did nothing to cause that suffering in their lives, but someone else, the perpetrator, did it. And so there, there it is. But then, you ready for it? There's redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering is what? Suffering for someone else. For the benefit of someone else. Who suffered for you? Jesus suffered everything you and I should have suffered eternally himself, but not for himself. He suffered for every single one of us. You know what Paul was saying? You talk about emulating the life of Christ. All that I've gone through, I've gone through with this thought. I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. And if you recall these verses of scripture, let's bring them up. What did he say? He was shown by Jesus the things that he had to suffer. Let's bring them up. First of all, 15 through 17. These sufferings of ours are for your benefit. And the more of you who are won to Christ, the more there are to thank him for his great kindness. And the more the Lord is glorified. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our inner strength in the Lord is growing every day. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small 
and won't last very long. Yet this sort of time of distress will result in God's richest blessing upon us forever and ever. What's Paul saying here? Small sufferings, all the things we just mentioned, and there are many more that he suffered, being stoned to death, etc. He suffered all that, he said, but that's for your benefit. That's called redemptive suffering. You know, and we're all going to be in that position, but it's not sickness, it's not disease, it's called redemptive suffering, persecution for the namesake of the Lord, etc., which is what he suffered. Now, look in the book of um, Acts, chapter 9, verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must, notice the word must again, you know, follow the word must throughout the Bible. He must be born again. We must suffer great things. We must suffer for his namesake. What are we suffering for his namesake? Persecution, tribulation. If we are really serving him and representing him well, we are going to be persecuted. Especially among the religious people. But we're going to be persecuted for our belief system. And if we're actively serving God and, and letting our light shine among men, we're going to suffer persecution, but we're doing it redemptively. Sometimes it's the suffering of just holding our mouth shut and not saying some things that we really want to say. Have you been down that road before? Mm -hmm. you'll, get, you'll suffer for your belief system and that sort of thing. But what is he saying? Paul is saying, look, he showed me what I've got to suffer for his namesake, and I'm doing it. But I know it's, there's redemption in it. Now, number five. Paul focused, and we'll close right here, on eternity. And we need to do the same thing. Okay? He focused on the fact that, look, this is not the end of it all right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Let's look at it first. Things that are seen don't last forever. This scene is not going to last forever. You go back to the days that I talked about, the, the time when you couldn't buy anything on a Sunday. You can do anything but go to church on a Sunday or stay home. Okay? They don't last forever. Obviously, it didn't last forever, did it? No. Things that are seen don't last forever. But things that are not seen are eternal, and they last forever. This is why we keep our minds on the things that cannot be seen. In other words, my focus and attention is the fact that, look, I know I'm suffering some things right now for the namesake of the Lord, but you know what? This, this isn't going to last forever. This outward man is perishing. This inward man is renewed day by day. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to live my life in such a way so as to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth because I know that no matter what I suffer for it, I'm going to be rewarded for that on the other side. On the other side in glory, what I'm experiencing then, it cannot be compared to the small amount of suffering. Can you even relate to that small amount of suffering? Try being flogged one time. 39 lashes on your back until it's shredded, looks like ribbon. One time. Jesus did once. Paul did five. I can't even go there with my brain, can you? They were burned at the stake. They were sawn in two. The list goes on and on. But as far as Paul himself, to stop this man from preaching the gospel, they took the bottom of his feet with rods and beat them silly so he couldn't walk. To go where he was going. He said that's small. Compared to what awaits me. In eternal glory. 
wouldn't that be nice if we could just get a group of people with that kind of mentality to come together and say, you know, Matt, you know what? It doesn't matter what we have to go through in this life. I stand for Christ. I'm going to serve him with my life. He wants to use me and I'm going to give him myself. That first verse of scripture, I want to live my life in his service. Why? Because he brought me out of death into life. And I'm not going to focus on anybody's faults, character flaws, inabilities, shortcomings, etc., etc. Why? Because I've got my own. And I've been told this in Scripture, as I judge others, so will I be judged. I'd rather not judge anybody on this planet so that when I get the glory, he looks at me and says, boy, I could really have a list here for you, buddy. But because you didn't judge anybody, I'm not judging you. Wouldn't that be great? So our conclusion is this. Nothing in this world should prevent us from serving the living God. There's not an excuse we could possibly have when we name all these Bible characters that had all their problems and flaws, their character flaws, and yet God showed them mercy and God anointed them and God equipped them and God used them to carry out his work upon the earth. So no one, none of us has an excuse But also, you can use the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given you, not just in the local church, but it's in your everyday walk and everyday life, anywhere you go and whatever you do. Whether you're a teacher, like I said, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an accountant, whether you're whatever, a doctor, you use what God has given you to be a blessing to others and let them see the light of God in you. Let that crack open up a little bit so that they can see the glory pouring out of you into their lives because he's equipped you and anointed you to do something to advance his kingdom so god wants to use you he wants to use every single one of us let's conclude by taking the advice of jesus didn't you know i must be about my father's business let's all stand together didn't you know i should be doing my father's work Mom, Dad, you should have known this, Jesus said to his earthly parents. You should have known. I'm 12 years old now. (laughs) 12 years old, not even a teenager. And he's teaching the teachers in the synagogue. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. May it find its resting place in the heart of every one of us. May the seed germinate and may it grow and produce tremendous fruit in all of our lives as we seek your face to determine what it is that you would have us to do with all the giftings you've planted within our lives. Father, may they emerge on the inside of us. The things that we're good at, we know that we can use as you anoint them to be a shining light and a blessing to humanity. May we all be about our Father's business, carrying out the Father's will, fulfilling His plan for every single one of us, storing for ourselves treasures on the other side in glory, so that when we arrive, praise God, we hear those wonderful words of, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, we thank you right now for showing us, enlightening us, giving us all the direction that we need so that each and every one of us can stand firm in our conviction.